Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Audacity. I'm so excited to be back and actually be podcasting. It felt so good to be writing an episode today. Typically, like I feel like I have my best episodes when I just write out an outline because I don't think linear, linear, linearly and I'm all over the place. So it's a very exciting to be back. Um, I also, okay, like I, I'm sorry to trauma dump on the last episode or just like, but honestly, that's what I've been going through. And that's why I just haven't been podcasting because podcasting is my safe space. Um, and I have not been able to do so because I've been literally going through it. So it kind of felt good to get it off my chest and it kind of felt good to say it, even though I felt really bad and I don't think I should feel bad because that's my experience. Like I'm going to say something and some, some people may not agree, but that's fine. Like, okay, whatever. I just feel like, okay, I, I can talk two different types of shit. Like one type of shit where I'm just disparaging you and your whole life and your whole fucking existence and really coming for you. Like, like on things that, like this is who you are, but there's also like when I think I mostly talk shit is like just in relation to what you did to me or my interaction with you. I'm not coming, I'm not calling you ugly. I'm not coming for your, I'm not coming for you like that. I'm coming for like, this is my interaction with you and this is how I see you as a person, et cetera. And that's what I feel like I was doing. Like, it's just my experience with my mom. Like, and I'm, it is what it is. Like I was saying, I'm sorry to be the way but I'm not, it is what it is. I am back in therapy. I'm ushering and trying to create boundaries for myself as an adult, find what I like, find how I want to be treated, all of those things. And that's just, it is what it is. So thank you for listening and just seeing where I'm at. Like, I don't know. But anyways, today's episode is going to be called, it's time to unionize. That'll be my last topic that I talk about. But basically it won't be like a true history of unions. Cause like, it, I think it's honestly like a, a college course or like a a it's a field of study like a scholarship it's scholarship to do so of course I won't be giving it its full due but I just kind of want to talk about like I think we're in a a moment for the labor movement and I just want to talk about the history of unionizing and its history and kind of how it fell out of power because I just feel like the people will know the, the history of unionizing that I feel like we can empower ourselves as a working class to protect our rights and to be paid what we deserve to be. We're in a pandemic and inflation is so high and all of these things. So yeah, it's time to unionize. It's time to unionize. Okay, I will be talking about you won't break my soul. I'm gonna be talking about that. And I'm telling it. Like, I didn't know how to feel when the song, I, I'm, I'm gonna get into it later. Like, this is not my first topic. I'm talking about Juneteenth first. But when I first heard the song, I was like, wow, I don't know how I feel about this gave another le- another listen i'm excited and i'm i'm gonna get into it later but uh beyonce is flawless even though i do have some critiques but wh- whatever 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 okay so let's get into juneteenth okay so it was juneteenth on sunday and i have some thoughts like two things I've been seeing a lot of memes happening I'm gonna be on two thoughts like two I'm gonna go on two waves hopefully they weave into one another I have seen the memes about like companies capitalizing off of these moments duh pride Juneteenth all of those things yeah 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 totally agree yeah but then I felt kind of bad because it was my job like I had to put together some collections of podcasts on Juneteenth and pride and I was like we are kind of taking advantage of a moment but I tried to like have it like really in-depth conversations my, to the best of my ability um for like the, the the months that I or for those like moments that I was creating these collections for so hopefully it was that but like I totally felt like a perpetrator of capitalizing off of a moment so there's that side that's me as a worker now me in my personal life th- there are two things I kind of feel like like I feel like a as a black person who's from Portland Oregon and Portland has its own slew of racist issues, like AKA, bitch, we are a sundown state. It's bad out there for the girls, and it's super racist. Um, but I have always, like, I've heard about Juneteenth, but like, I never really celebrated because I'm from Portland, Oregon, as a black person. So that, that's not the wave up there. You know what I mean? Like, we would mention it in passing, like Juneteenth, like the real, the real Independence Day for black people is Juneteenth during like Ju- the Fourth of July weekend. You know what I mean? Not like oh, I'm super celebrating this. I think that that super celebration really goes with Texans. So it's kind of weird to see it become a national holiday without acknowledging its origins. Like, oh, it's it's black people are free. Yes, and but this describes a specific moment in Galveston, Texas that we need to really understand the history about. And also when, when Juneteenth happened, there were still slaves throughout the South. So that like, you know what I mean? So like there's different spots of history and we're just highlighting and celebrating one spot. 
So there's that. Just as a black person, I recognize Juneteenth. I see its validity. But does it rain super deep? Like, we didn't have Miss Juneteenth celebrations where you're like, it's like a beauty pageant for black people celebrating Juneteenth. Like, maybe a beauty pageant's kind of simplifying it, so I apologize for that. But we didn't have that. So that's what I'm saying. So there's that breadth of it. But then also, so I was reading a news article, and it was like why some activists think that the fight isn't over because Juneteenth is not recognized in all states. I don't think that it should be a federal holiday. And it kind of reminds me of I took a Markham and Malcolm, Martin and Malcolm class in college. Um, and the professor, Dr. Hazard, talked about like Santa classification of Martin Luther King, kind of like whitewashing his words and thinking that this, this figure who wanted to liberate all people and all these things, which in part is true. But they don't really get at the root of what his words were and what he was talking about and the people that he was casting blame for where, why we are the way where we are and why we are the way we are. And it's kind of the same thing. Okay, we're, yeah, we're making Juneteenth a holiday, but did it, it move the needle? Are black people still enslaved in prisons? Yes. Are black people still treated like the bottom of the fucking the world? Yes. Like, it's not even moving the needle. We will never get reparations. All of these things. Like, there's all of these things that it doesn't move the needle on. So I'm like, okay, yeah, we have this holiday, but what? White people get the day off to work, and they're not really thinking about Juneteenth, which now in part moves me to my second qualm. So... We had a Juneteenth celebration at my job, right? And I thought that all the niggas would be there. This is for the niggas, especially, like, literally for the niggas. And it was not, like, there were a lot of non-black people coming up and, like, excited to come. And I'm like, if it were me, like, I'm just going to say this. If it were me and I was a white person and Juneteenth, co- Juneteenth came, I would not be going to a black event celebrating Juneteenth because I would be embarrassed. Like, I would be embarrassed, okay? Like, I would be embarrassed to be there. It's not my day. Like, something horrific has happened, and like that was also like yes it's a, I think it's a celebration for black people but for any other day it should be anybody anybody else it should be a day of atonement for anti-blackness like I that's just personally how I feel so I was super surprised to see them pop up because I was like I personally wouldn't if I were you I personally would not come personally so I I was like that's a little uh, I don't really like that um and I that's why I like I just feel like the niggas shouldn't just made no shade like, maybe this sounds bad, but the niggas shouldn't have made Juneteenth what it is, and they should just, because the niggas, it was the girls that get it, get it, and the girls that don't, don't. It was really that. If you knew, you knew. And if you're from a place where it had, it was a big deal, then you celebrate it. But if you weren't, then you didn't, and that's okay. Like, I don't know. It's getting weird. But it's just, like, this idea of post-racial multiculturalism is, like, you know, we're all valid, we're all equal, and we're going to talk about race and everyone's going to be participating. We're not going to really move the needle. We're not going to really do anything. And it's just really words and fodder because in actuality, black people will still and always be oppressed until we actually address anti-blackness, both in legislation, both in lived experiences and reality, access to resources, like all of these things, all of these things. We're not really moving the needle on that. So I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it could have been cute if it was just for black people, but it's become a national holiday and girls get paid time off, which is fine. I just feel like if I, it were me, like I think it should only be for black people to have the time off or I don't know. Cause we like, there just has to be a way to say that black people, you get this day off of rest and not everybody gets a day off of rest, but that doesn't really fit into like this, the system that we got going on currently. So yeah, that's my little rant on Juneteenth. I just, it's dark times. Like, I don't even know what to say. Okay. So now let's head to the music. Okay. So the girls, I'm not going to really speak on Drake's album. I don't know if I'm in my, my thoughts on Drake on the podcast clear. So I'm not going to get into it. And yeah, I just, (laughs) should I get into it? I mean, like, if I haven't said, I just feel like Drake is like a white man from Canada and that's really just how I feel. I don't really know. I don't really want to quantify that or justify that. That's just my feelings. And if you know me, then you, you get my feelings. Um, or you, you understand where I'm coming from. So I don't really want to get into the Drake discourse and I'm not really getting, there's no discourse, but I'm just loving this resurgence of 80s, 70s and like, uh, 90s music. I haven't, like, I that's my my favorite music anyways. I love Miss Donna Summers. I love like boogie like boogie music. Like if they played this at the club and there was some cocaine, I would have snorted it, which if you know me, anti-drugs, 
I would have snorted it, and I would have been on the dance floor getting my ass going. Like, oh, my God. I, I went to this club in Austin. They have an 80s night, like an 80s room, bitch. I was living. I lived for that era. Good, good, good. Get it, get it. So I'm loving that Beyonce's coming out with, like, house disco, like, like, yes, like, this is exactly what I needed, and I, I'm being fed, I'm also being fed, like, okay, Dua Lipa was giving us, like, 70s, 80s, with, um, what's the name of that album, it's not physical, hold on, just, whatever Dua Lipa's last album was, I can't remember, um, Dua Lipa's been feeding me Charlie XCX, okay, I just, and now have gone into Charlie XCX, but if you're not doing anything with your life, like, nothing, because I'm pretty sure you're doing nothing, because you're listening to this, if you love yourself, you will, I, and I'm saying this, pause me, and go listen to Crash, Crash is that girl, will forever be that girl, I mean, but it's basically, like, a mix of, like, a little bit of, like, a little bit of 80s, giving that vibe, but, like, also Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, and I'm, like, this is kind of what I needed, um, and then Beyonce releasing Break My Soul, wow, like, it's good to have her back in the game and releasing stuff, because we've been missing her level of artistry, like, with Beyonce, you get, um, you get good music, you get good press, like, a press run, you get good music videos, and then you get a good tour, like, she gives you everything you needed and more, like, and she she really delivers through. Like the only thing I would say why I like Dua Lipa and Charlie XCX and the new girlies, including Drake, they don't give you good press runs. They don't give you good music videos. Drake marrying twenty three women. I don't know how. Like and of course there were really no dark skinned black women there. But do I want them subjected to that mess? No. So there was none of that there. Like you know that's a mess. Um, and Charlie XCX, there's no choreography. There's no good music videos. Like if you're gonna invest in Crash, just invest in the audio portion of the presentation. Do not go any deeper. Do not go any further. Stick to the audio. But Beyonce is just gonna give us everything. I can't wait for the music video. I, she, I'm actually questioning. Should I fuck around and buy the tickets? Like that's really where she has me feeling um for the tour because I'm like I have to go I have to see her because I just know it's going to be good um so yeah I I'm excited for what music has to offer yeah I I think it I think it's going to be good but okay this will be my transition into me talking about unions while we are talking about the song You, you won't break my soul release your job and you know all that stuff um, I do have my critiques of Beyonce. People are like saying, oh, this is a working class anthem. And I'm like, but didn't j- just recently, let me pull up the tweet too. Cause someone tweeted and I was like, oh my God, I literally was just going to talk about this and you just ruined this for me. But, um, I think it was for the Oscars party. There was a hotel. It was the Chateau, Chart. I can't speak French. Chateau Marmont were fired because they wanted, uh, they went on a strike and they asked for Beyonce and Jay-Z not to host their party there because they were in a strike. And they didn't. They crossed the picket line and threw their party anyways, which ultimately it's why it's always eat the rich. But I think that perfectly transitions into us talking about unionizing because that's literally what it was, was a rich people crossing the picket line and not really giving a fuck. Like they broke the strike because they didn't want to invest in what the working class was going through. Like the people like, okay, yeah, you might have to move your Oscars party and it would have bothered some people. But now there are people who don't have jobs all because they want to be treated and treated fairly and paid a fair wage. Uh, you know what I'm saying here? So let's get into it. So today I thought I want to tackle unions is like I said, I want to go into the, I want to go into the history of unions. This will not be a, this will not be a full story on unions. Like I really highly suggest you just go read a book, but I did want to set the scene for two lovers regret the scenes of the history of unions and kind of how they came to be, how they were, how Reagan fucked up the unions. Like Reagan kind of like, I mean, Reagan sucks, duh, but Reagan is ass. Like Reagan fucked up a lot of things. So how Reagan kind of fucked up, you know, the validity and the strength of unions um, and kind of like where we are currently with our labor movement and some of these bigger, you know, I'm, I, I'm just going to say this. I know of one, but I really can't mention it and you know why. So d- don't think I'm just excluding something from the narrative. You know why. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, first off. Okay. So first, the first whisper, oh, I'm gonna have, I have a disclaimer. 
I, I, I personally think that black people were the originators of labor strikes and evading poor working conditions, um, i.e. enslavement. Like the Harriet Tubman, she was leading the strike. Okay. Um, speaking of sidebar, I'm going to get a Harriet Tubman. I'm, I need to, I need to get some tattoos, but I'm like, so like la la about it, but no, I need to focus up and get some tattoos. So tell me if I'm crazy, but one tattoo that I did want to get, and I've kind of always wanted this since I was in college, I wanted to get the big dipper and oh my God, let me look this up. Cause I might sound like a true dumbass, but from my, um, last research, I thought that this was true. Hold on. But I want to get a Harriet Tubman tattoo because um, well, I was in a work meeting and I mentioned Harriet Tubman and then my non-black coworker told me not to bring up Harriet Tubman's name. And I was like, uh, dude, no, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I've been Harriet Tubman's biggest. She was my first chapter book I read and it was about Harriet Tubman's life. And even then, you know, right there in that moment when I read that book, I knew she was the baddest bitch to ever live. Um, hold on. Okay, yeah, 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 okay, I thought it was a dumbass, so this is the tattoo that I do want to get, I want to get the, um, the Big Dipper, and kind of, like, but, like, kind of elementary, like, you know, like, basically, like, little stars, like, you draw, but, like, actually fully formed, but, like, the Big Dipper with the North Star, because Harry Tubman obviously followed the North Star, but even when I felt very lost in life, or, like, I didn't know where I was going, or how I was going to accomplish something, I've always felt like I've had a North Star that's led me in the right direction towards freedom, well, you know, not like Harriet, but you know what I mean? Like on my level, not Harriet, Harriet Tubman was doing shit that no bitches that had even heard of. She was doing the unseen, the unfathomable. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that is one tattoo I want to get, but I need to figure out another tattoo because I want to get one that kind of represents every major transition in my life. Like right now, if I'm going through a major transition, but I don't know what the tattoo will be, but that is a sidebar. Like anyways, I think that black people are really the originators, but I'm going to stick to recorded history of what they have on the internet for y'all. So the first whisper of a strike and really labor movements was in 17 or 1768 when New York journeyman Taylor's pro- pro- protested a wage reduction. Um, so they were the first ones that was like, y'all not gonna, y'all not gonna not pay us. Like we're here to get our money. Um, and a strike is essentially like you just stop working, but you use your labor as like the threat of what they're losing. Like they've lost business because you refuse to work. So your labor, like you actually doing the labor is really your worth and kind of like you're bargaining for getting your wages. And back then I think it was a little bit more prominent because a lot of people were skilled workers. Like they had like a lot of unions started off as skilled, like skilled people. So you had like blacksmiths, people who did like tailoring, people who did foot, like making shoes, stuff like that, like, you know, those specializations, like, think back in your history class, you know, been a while, so because they had, the journeyman tailors had that, they then formed the federal, their strike, they then formed the Federal Society of Journeymen Cordwainers, which are shoemakers, in Philadelphia in 1794, thus marks the beginning of sustained trade union organization among American workers. After this, labor unions started to become a thing in really big cities, um, because they had a lot of workers working in those factories and also they had a lot of different trades under one factory can, to like, you know, condense space. So that meant a lot of alliances could happen between different trades because they were all working in the same spot, all experiencing the same working conditions and kind of chatting. So then that also, there was like, you know, creating some camaraderie between different trades, creating bigger unions, you know, making sure that you get your, uh, your workers' rights. So after this, um, oh, never mind. The first big feat for labor unions was shortening the workday. So shortening the workday actually did come from labor, um, labor, the labor movement early in the day. So I'm like, that's also why I really want to bring this up. So I'm like, we have to remember the history of what unions gave to us in the workplace. You know what I mean? And, and like not really take that for granted or kind of just recognize like these are some of the privilege that we have today because people went on strike and kind of put their livelihood in, in jeopardy to make sure that we had this. We didn't have to deal with like because imagine working 12 hours a day and 12 hours a day and like um customer facing or like essential working that really and some people have to don't get me wrong but like that was the standard the standard was 12 not eight you know what I mean so shout out to y'all even though they they were racist but probably but we're not gonna that's not what we're here to talk about just yet um but also we're about to get into that right now 
to be importantly noted, black people, women, immigrants were excluded from joining those unions. Um, most unions, uh, union members in the skilled trades remained overwhelmingly native-born white Protestant males throughout the 19th century. Um, and it was because, well, it wasn't because of this, but like another, it's obviously because they're a minority or they're minorities. Uh, but in addition to that, they have the funds to pay union dues and pay for strikes because you have to pay for unions because like there might be some like union cost related things like they might help pay somebody like give somebody some money because x y and z happened or when you stop working on a strike you need money to sustain your life and so you, it's kind of like insurance that you workers insurance that you pay with your union so if something happens you're protected um which sucks because like they should have also had access to that um since black workers were paid lower wages, duh, because they were black racism, duh, duh, duh. White workers were afraid they would replace them for cheaper labor, um, which is always, that's always kind of the theory, like low key is like you're scared of being replaced or your job being replaced. So you're going to treat that person really shittily or, or try to make sure that they don't get access to jobs because and how this would actually work. I'm going to get to this in the future is like, let's say you had a, some workers go on strike they would literally by they would break your strike by bringing in immigrant workers or black workers to replace w the white workers that they're on strike and do their job and they would get paid cheaper and they wouldn't require the same things because you're just lucky to get some money as a person who is uh, a second class member of society which I get it but totally fucking sucks so uh, I think that racism and because uh, racism does a thing for failing in the back duh 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 but they kind of use that that hatred towards black people to kind of scare them too, saying like, "Oh, we'll replace you with black people." Very ghetto thinking. Um, but because these groups were excluded, they created their own unions. Black caulkers in the shipbuilding industry held a strike at the Washington Navy Yard in 1835, which is a really big deal. Look it up. Um, in 1867, the national the National Union for Cigar Makers was the first union to accept women and black workers. I don't. Why does it? Yeah, um, I'm not going to get into that existential thought line right there, but um, uh, some more la some more of their uh, labor vic victories throughout the labor movement included minimum wage, um, so that's really cool. Even though minimum wage is at a whopping 7.25 nationally, I think. So what the fuck does that do for anybody? I hate Texas. My allergies be acting the fuck up. Okay. But additionally, due to the influx of immigrants, labor had become cheaper because employers didn't have to pay or respect the immigrant workers for their worth. So that was used as a tool to pit groups against one another so that the wages could stay low, like I mentioned, um, with uh, white workers and black workers. Uh, and an example of this was when Irish workers won raises and pay for railroads, for example, Chinese workers were brought in to replace them so they didn't have to pay them their, their raises um, that they had had a strike for. So that was giving you like maybe early 18th century to late 19th century. We then head into uh, the early to mid 1900s where um, they had unions had actually managed to. And keep in mind, I am skipping a lot in history. We're sticking to the main points, y'all. I'm not. This is not full history because I'm like, yeah, we're missing a lot here. Of course, there's always independent strikes, but we're just speaking about labor mo labor movements in general. So at this point, unions had worked not only for improvements in pay, but working conditions also for labor reform. So they were actually passing legislation, creating, creating departments of, creating the Department of Labor, like working in the background to create legislational um, support for their labor movements. They also passed the Clayton Antitrust Act of 1914 that allowed employees to strike and boycott their employers with like without being worrying about being fired. And they also, it was followed by the Welsh-Healy Public Contracts Act in 1936 and the Fair Labor Standards of 1938, which mandated a minimum wage, extra pay for overtime work, and basic child labor laws. So the reason you have fucking time and a half or triple time and a half is because somebody put their job on the line to ensure that for futures to come, working class people would be respected. So like the girls really did something for us. The girls really did something for us in the, the present day and they continued with labor reform and passing legislation. So now we get to 19, the 1970s where Ronald Reagan has ruined it for all. Um, when Ronald Reagan became president um, and he introduced trickle-down economics, which I'm not about to get this right, I don't like econ, so shoot me. But basically, it was just big giving like, uh, and all the people who know better, feel free to fill in the blanks and say, Leah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I'm going to say as little as possible to make as much sense as I can. 
basically it was tax breaks for the wealthy and that all the wealth that was accumulated at the top that the wealthy were able to keep would then trickle down to the rest of everybody else. That is really not true. And I, I think actually I, I, I explained that properly. If I didn't, my bad, look it up on the internet. And with trickle-down, introduction of trickle-down economics, and I, he introduced trickle-down economics because at that time period, they were dealing with stagflation, which is a, a stagnation, stag, the economy was stagnant, and also it was high inflation. Uh, and so he wanted to figure out a way to have businesses be booming during that time period. Um, and with trickle-down economics being introduced, there was, all to, there was also anti-union, uh, anti-union, God, I cannot speak today, anti-union policies introduced so between 1975 and 18 or 1985 union membership fell by 5 million by the end of the 1980s less than 17 percent of american workers uh, were organized in a union which was just not what the numbers were before but how reagan kind of squashed unions was because air traffic controllers were irritated because they felt like they were i'm not gonna say they felt like that sounds like they're gaslighting they their work was equivalent to the pilot they helped the pilot land like they're basically saying like okay you can come to the dock whatever i don't know what the fuck they'd be saying but they'd be communicating to the pilot saying it's okay to land they help them you know if they like can't see all this other stuff and they wanted better workers rights they wanted better pay yada 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 etc they were working long hours um and they weren't getting paid like pilots they want to be paid like pilots because they felt like they did equivalent or as important work um so reagan issued an order to all there's 13,000 pilots okay the resources the resources say 11,000 to 13 like 11,000 or 13,000 so I'm just going to say between 11,000 and 13,000 air traffic controllers went on strike um and with that Reagan issued an order basically saying you have 48 hours to return to work which is an amnesty period of like okay if you return to work within these 48 hours all is forgiven but if you don't then you're fired and it like the workers are talking about, it just took a lot to stay strong because you're kind of scared. You're like, will I get fired? And Reagan had said it was illegal for them to be on strike because their work was important. Like people would die if they, you know, or people would be unable to do their job if the air traffic controllers were not working. So about 11,000, okay, this is where I think the discrepancy numbers comes from. About 11,000 people stayed strong and did not return to work, and they were fired. And then subsequently barred from ever doing any federal work. So they could not go back to being air traffic controllers, which basically sent 11,000 people into unemployment. Some people found jobs, some people had to find something else, and some people just did not recover because of that. So that's a very scary precedent to be set of, like, if you boycott or if if you go on strike, you will lose your job. And... Your job is what helps you sustain your lifestyle, your family, all of these things. And so, yeah, he just set a heavy precedent for other businesses because when businesses saw Reagan do that, they were like, okay, bet, I don't have to take my union seriously either. And other businesses started getting tough on their their unions. They even introduced this like union breaking or strike breaking curriculum into Warden. So they were introduced maybe the business school girlies are here to end the world because they were literally up in business school telling don't you let these bitches unionize don't treat these bitches right don't give these bitches money don't make sure they feel safe in the workplace make them suffer and you will win so i mean it's kind of sound like where we're at now right but anyways yeah reagan just set a really dangerous precedent of like you don't have to take your union seriously you don't have to listen to their needs what's happening like nothing nada 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 so for example like there were copper miners in arizona they were fired they were striking paper workers in maine they were fired they were striking meat packers bus drivers so many strikes were broken because union like the people who were fighting for unions realized that the employers just wanted them like wanted them fired if they went on strike they just wanted them to strike so they could get fired and bring in non-union workers and pay them cheaper which that is awful and if you realize that your boss wants you to strike so they can fire you and rehire you then that's going to make you less likely to strike and striking is the main leverage that unions have because it's like we're your workers we are in a union who collectively agree that we should have these rights and we're not going to do any work for you thus hurts your bottom line your business so that's that's hella sad but today the number of strikes remains small and whenever you hear about a strike it's kind of looked down upon because I like remember growing up hearing about teacher strikes or all this stuff and bitches would be mad because like how dare you disrupt the life of me because you want to be treated like somebody 
And that's just really crazy thinking because I just, I know that this is probably a bad example, but I really think about the Montgomery bus boycott and I'm thinking like, do you know how much strength it took for all these black people to say like, okay, I can't ride at the front of the fucking bus like a normal person. Okay, I'm not going to ride this. I'm going to walk everywhere. I'm going to catch rides. It took so much community effort and it took so much perseverance and selflessness to say, even though this would benefit me currently in this moment, like I, it's maybe it's fucking raining and maybe I don't want to be outside walking to get ready to go, but I'm doing this. So that means we can all sit at the front of the bus. Like how magical is that thinking? You know what I mean? So I get that. Like, I get that strikes and shit. They like, or like when, um, when like airport workers go on strike, I get that it's inconveniencing, but you have to think about like what's really driving that they're willing to put their their livelihood on the line to be treated like they want to be treated in the workplace, which mainly re- revolves around pay and working conditions and like hours and all these other things. And I obviously we're going to talk about COVID and today, but I just feel like COVID just has reminded us of what's important and like work life balance and having all of these things. Is it really worth it? Like for my job to be treating me like this? Like I think that the relationship between employer and employee has to be equally valuable. And one day I hope to be my own, my, a business owner, but like a small business owner though. But I think to myself if my employee, like, okay, let's say I'm doing everything I can for my employees. And if my employees want to unionize, okay, like that means I'm probably doing a really bad job, job but also I have things to protect me as the employer. You need things to protect you as the employee so that you feel like you have everything that you need to be successful. It's like a symbiotic relationship. But with the way things currently are, it's it really is not one person. Like one group has the power, the wealthy, the employers. And the employees just have to go fucking be worker bees and worker meals and not have any protections for themselves. So, you know, I mean, I just want people to feel like they have, an, they have enough with, like they have enough, of what they need to be successful and mostly the working class like but whatever so basically what reagan did it was like he just squashed the unions like the unions just like kind of lost credibility because people realized like oh if i strike i'll lose my job and i need my job and so the 1980s turned out to be the beginning of the growing gap between productivity and salaries while productivity and economic output grew salaries did not change accordingly as it was the case when unions were influential. Like, if you just felt like, oh, I'm doing too much, and this comes from NPR. If you just felt like you were doing too much work, and then you're like, but I need to be getting paid for this work, okay, the union will bust up in there and be like, pay these bitches for their, you need to pay my bitches for my, the work that they've done, and then we get their wage increase and, you know, whatever, whatever the, they asked for. But in this case, with this, if you're, the, the strikes are getting squashed and they were bringing in non-union workers and union workers were losing their job, it didn't really matter. And the salary stayed the same because you had no power to collectively bargain because you're easily replaceable. God. Yeah, so ultimately, like, this is just to say Reagan super sucks. Like, he done really done the girls in. But this brings us to today. So all of this was really to set the scene for today. And why I'm excited about these recent efforts of unionizing and fighting for labor rights is that, I don't know, it just like, even if, let's say, nothing comes of this, which I, I hope not, because in the current climate, like, bitch, it's a fight. It's like a recipe for disaster. But I'm just like, if the working class could just see, if we could see how much power we had and what we do, the girls would suffer and I totally get like you're scared though like you don't want to lose your job someone else is going to come in and do it for less which we just all need to realize it's them versus us and we need to be on our them shit like you know what I'm saying like we need to be on our is it our us shit we need to be on our us shit and realize it's us against them like they're so wealthy 24 billionaires have paid collectively in taxes half a million dollars did you hear that? Half a million dollars. Hold on. Let me look that shit up. And I don't think it's 500 million. I really don't. But that's just so sad. I'm just going to look it up. I could be wrong, but it's not enough money considering how much money them bitches have. Okay. So they don't pay taxes. They don't contribute. Um, and we don't see the, the, we don't see the economic benefit trickling down at fucking all. Like it's just awful. Um, and I just want workers to, I want workers to feel empowered in their workspace and feel like, because ultimately I don't dream of labor in a perfect world. I don't want to work, 
But I understand that that's just where the system is. So wouldn't it just be nicer if like we already know people don't want to work seriously. And then as evidenced by the pandemic, we already know bitches really don't want to work, especially in these clim- this climate and conditions. Like, why can't we just make this a positive experience for both people? But no, one person always has to be suffering at the end of this exchange. So let me, oh, sorry for the sirens. Let me get into what we're talking The some of the companies I want to focus on today. I already said what I said about another company. You already know what the deal is. You know what the T is. Use your brain here. Talking about Starbucks, 64 other stores in 20 states are trying or have successfully unionized um despite resistance from management a company spokesperson told me this is from this article we don't expose we don't oppose unions we don't believe they are necessary at starbucks that's not true i think unions are necessary everywhere because i also hate this like ethos at companies like we're a family all this stuff no we are not employee employer that is the relationship my family is who I choose. I'm not choosing you. I, I need the money. Like, I need money. I need to live a life. You know, I got to pay my bills. Bills have to be paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to participate in this capitalist scheme in life. Like, that's why I'm here, girl. Like, that's it. But trying to get you to invest, like, and I personally think it's kind of like a parasocial relationship, like a parasocial relationship, but trying to get you to invest and think that someone cares about you and that there's love there so that you don't unionize. Like I, when Starbucks is saying that, it's like, no, you need to super unionize. Unions are super necessary because you're looking, like they're looking at their bottom line. They're looking at what's going to get them paid. They're not looking at what makes the employee feel successful and happy and make sure that they're paid to do their work that helps them make money, right? That's not what they're thinking about. So yeah, a union is absolutely necessary, girl. Like that's fucking crazy. Amazon, like Jeff Bezos is going to hell in a handbasket and he will be in good company with the rest of these rich hoes, but Jeff Bezos is evil. So basically, everyone knows that Amazon, Staten Island, the Staten Island uh, warehouse won their labor election, but Amazon is trying to contest that. I couldn't find the results of the, um, they're trying to get them to do another labor election and trying to contest the results because they did, I think they won the unionization by, I wanted like, around 500 maybe a little bit more like during that time amazon had filed 25 objections uh to the jfk 8 that's the Staten island warehouse union election with the national labor relations board um alleging that aiu intimidated employees recorded voters and polling place and distributed marijuana to employees in exchange for their support which i mean is there anything wrong with that i mean the latter is there anything wrong with that um (laughs) Um, so with that, with that information, they're trying to overturn the election, but also like when Amazon was hearing about, when Amazon was hearing about these different, like the unionization efforts happening, they were trying to get people to not unionize by like hosting, um, like these lectures or these talks about like, this is why you shouldn't unionize. And they were also trying to intimidate people. So imagine having to sit through and listen to your manager or like, some leader have a a anti-union talk with you multiple times in a week or multiple times in a month like I think that that would be really irritating but I think it's really a scare tactic like these are all the things that will happen if you unionize which I'm like which is scary like I can't I don't know what I would do if I was in a situation where my livelihood is on the line of me unionizing and I think from a bird's eye view and obviously from someone who's not in that position I would be like yeah you should say yes to unionizing but I can't I I honestly don't know what I would do if I was put in that position I would like to believe that I would unionize but it's very scary because like Amazon has fired people who are like leading the unionization efforts they are actively union busting they are actively fighting to certify the election results because basically if they certify these election results it's just going to go through like a wildfire throughout all of the warehouses and I just saw something on Twitter like a news article that was saying that Amazon's about to go through like all their employees that could ever work for them and I'm like something's like inherently wrong with this company like I think like it is the most wicked thing like I think like a lot of creations it started off very cool and now it's getting very weird it's just a very weird time so fuck Amazon even though even though I'm not gonna pretend to be an angel here I am currently watching The Boys, but after The Boys is over, I'm then now canceling my subscription because the only reason I got it back was so I could watch The Boys, and then once The Boys is over, I'm gone. Like, you won't catch me as a longtime customer, and they got me for this one piece of content, and I bid them adieu until the next time. (laughs) Also recently, Trader Joe's is trying to unionize. 
Um, and how this started, what I think it's a store in Massachusetts, but they first sent out an email saying, like, we well, will need 30% of your, your sort of vote. And they were like, oh, bitch, you don't have to worry about it. We got, the, we already know we need 30%. And with that, we will be moving forward. So they, they said that they were trying to move forward with becoming a union. And apparently, at least what I'm reading from this is like, the company has to accept that you're, you know, beginning your unionization efforts and they had not. So now they're moving forward filing, fi- with filing paperwork with the National Labor Relations Board um, to begin a, a union election. And the reason they wanted to do that is because they were talking about when people began working, like there was an employee who worked there 18 years ago. When they first started, Trader Joe's was willing to match their 401k, their retirement contributions at 15%. And then as years had gone by, they've now gone to 5% or we may not, or we may. And, you know, that's up to our discretion as well as they had got a $2 hazard pay bump at the beginning of the pandemic. And then they removed, they began rolling back some of those things. And I just think it's really crazy how like, so this pandemic happened and we then immediately issued out stimulus checks, like helping uh, parents pay for their kids food, all of these like social welfare welfare things that I think that we should do they've been they have begun to like issue those like take those back and I'm like we're still in the middle of a pandemic and also like this was really helping families get what they needed like why aren't we doing this in the first place like the government should be giving people money like what the fuck am I paying taxes for like the government should be giving people money to help them sustain and live like I'm not getting that. Like, there's nothing wrong with, I personally, there's nothing wrong with a government handout. If the government went to hand me out some money, I would take it. And I think most people would. I'm not ashamed of a handout. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. So they're starting to run, roll back these, you know, these protocols they had had issued and people are upset. They're like, no, I need that $2 of hazard pay. Even though that's not even enough, things are increasing in price. Things are expensive. And even before the pandemic, but even before things got to where they are now, things were already expensive. The cost of living was already high to pay rent. So I'm like, you should, you should be updating people's wages to be along with the time, but no, that doesn't fit the bottom line. Like I don't, I don't remember that. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, like the email that Applebee's sent there, like basically with this gas money, we got these bitches. Like, no, we need to be holding these corporations accountable for how they treat workers shittily. And especially, I agree with the branding of essential worker. I just hate how it's used as like a way of like, in theory, like, oh, we're going to applaud for essential workers, but we're still going to pay them like shit and treat them like shit. No, if they're essential to the economy, pay them as if they're essential to the economy, pay them the what they are worth or what they deserve, especially when it becomes to interacting with people. Because when you really think about it, bitches are crazy. Like people are crazy. You have to deal with nuts all fucking day. Like, I just think like, no, you need to pay them their worth. So yeah, that Trader Joe's is trying to unionize. The Starbucks girlies are unionizing. The Amazon girlies are unionizing. And I was reading this really depressing article in the New York Times Magazine that talked about like, this basically won't go anywhere, but I I, I have to have faith. Uh, whatever. I mean, I had to believe that we could be on the precipice. We could be on the precipice of something great. I also do want to talk about a little bit about the National Labor Relations Board because another thing that I was reading and learning about is that like it's very different. It's it's different to be unionizing under a on a private like in a private company versus a public, you know, like government job or whatever. It's actually easier to unionize on a public government job. They actually have funds and like acts that will pay for you striking and all these things. That's not. It's actually really hard to unionize within a private company because it's private. Like. It's not a public institution. Um, so that's what the, Na- the National Labor Relations Board does is help people unionize within a private institution. And this article from New- the New York Times just kind of talks about how, like, especially at this moment in time, it's been especially hard to unionize because these companies are so large and they have international resources and they're so big that it's not it's not used to having to organize on this large of a scale, like across multiple different, like let's say warehouses or stores at one time, but also the national labor relations board and like the national labor relations board has taken such a hit from legislation. Um, and that doesn't have the resources necessarily to do it all at the same time too. So that, I mean, that's like kind of sad. The article also talked about like who can it like, who can and can't count for independent contractors can't count uh or they're not able to organize or join a union because of like their their job status as like because they they tend to have a intermediary company that oversees them 
So that kind of like, and a lot of jobs are like doing independent contractors, like hiring people outside of their company instead of like, you know, doing full-time employees. And I think that that's also a way to that, um, Elon Musk was kind of able to redistribute, like redistribute blame because he was hiring independent contractors. Um, and they would have to sign like arbitration agreement that if something happened to them while they were, you know, being like loaned out to Tesla, for example, then they couldn't sue. Uh, except that one guy who, who didn't sign an arbitration example, but like th- there's that as well. So that's Rosante. God. So what's currently in legislation for the labor movement or kind of like unionizing is protecting the right to organize act. The, and this is an omnibus bill, a labor bill. Um, and this would go much like this would help with speeding up the process of union elections, protecting strikers, penalizing bad employers and get rid of, and getting rid of states right to work laws that inhibit organizing. Um, this bill has passed the house, but of course the shitty ass Senate has not made any movements on passing this. Fuck Mitch McConnell. So yeah, even though like ultimately I feel like capitalism will always win, which is like really sad, but I just think like they, they rig the game too good and have pulled the hoods on too many bitches and, and also have made it virtually impossible to make selfless decisions for your community but then I also ask myself, would people also make the selfless decisions? You know what I mean? That it is really cool to see this moment of unionizing and, you know, seeing the worker, the working class kind of, kind of fight back in a way and, you know, assert that they do deserve work, like they, they do deserve rights and they do deserve the things that they're asking for. Because in retrospect, like they're really not asking for much. You're just asking for your company to care a little bit more about the employee unless their bottom line because i'm like thinking to myself some of the things that they're asking for you'll still have a bottom line you're just greedy greedy like ariana said you're just fucking greedy like that's what it is I'm like you're still gonna make bank at the end of the day so does it hurt that you want to sh- like you maybe shill out an extra what four million in total for what these employees are asking for it's just weird like the bitches want to rake up all the money and hoard 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 and it's not a cute look so yeah, I my I really just want to share this because I just feel like hopefully when the time comes around for others to unionize, they can know some of the history and know like what unions have fought for, what they mean, um, and that Reagan really fucked our shit up, and that we like the workers really do have the power. The workers have the power because they do the work, you know. And yeah, like that is it. I don't have any closing thoughts necessarily do i want to get into i just want everybody to start watching like a bravo show so we can all be on the same accord if you're looking to get oh let me rank hold on let me rank my bravo shows for you if you're looking to get into bravo real housewives i would say it's depending on what type of girly you are if you're a girly that's here for if you want laughter if you want shade if you want mess if you want entertainment real houses of atlanta og og all day of course there's some seasons that are like uh really but for the most part it's a fabulous show like chef's kiss like wow and actually this new season is so good like I catch myself laughing and the girls are singing a flop but it's actually so funny like I'm here for this new season and it actually has me switching my opinion on a housewife that I thought was fucking lame I'm like not to really have me team drew like I didn't want to be here but I'm here if you are into opulence and wealth and like Girls being fake as fuck. Real Houses of Beverly Hills that tracks, but they do have like some. If you're watching them again, they do have some cast members that are funny that keep it real. But for the most part, like the girls are infuriating until they get the black girl in the cast, and that's when shit really pop off because the girls are racist. Duh. Um, if you are into like some shit where it's like like white ladies just saying some of the craziest shit that you've ever heard someone say to another person, and then them still being in the same space. Roni, Real Houses of New York, although the show did get canceled because they're racist. But that's a really good show. Like, I mean, I have to I've watched it a couple times during quarantine. It had become my safe space for a little bit. It was pretty good. Um, if you're into like Italian family feuds and like family first family, like some one V one family style, um, I highly recommend Real Houses of New Jersey. It it's so good. Like, it's just so good. Like, I just live for reality shows, except where I won't go is, like, Married at First Sight or, like, Love After Lockup or 
90 Day Fiance, that is not my subsection of reality. Because I look like when these women come on these like shows or these people come on these shows like on Bravo or whatever, they you they're signing up for this shit. And you're like, okay, you wanted this. But, like, I mean, I guess they did want it with 90 Day Fiance and Mira First Sight. But I'll be feeling kind of bad because I'm like, you, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like you should not have put this on TV. Or, like, because I remember there was one season of 90 Day Fiance where it was, like, Danielle and some guy from Tanzania. I don't know. And he, like, told her her pussy stank on live TV. <laughs> Told her she had a nasty pussy on live TV. I'm like, girl, like, don't you think you would not want to put that on TV? Or, like, Ed, Ed and Rose. Like, I don't know necessarily if, like, I would want that me looking like a nasty person on TV like that. You know what I'm saying? But I guess that's what that's what makes reality TV. But that's where I won't go. Like, that's a little too low for me. Although I do enjoy some shows on Wii TV. And I like Jocelyn's Cabaret. And... Even though she's super problematic, like, super problematic. I love Jocelyn's Cabaret, and I was a fan of Bad Girls Club. What you want? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Live the life you wish you had. Sugar, spice, and everything. But, 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 bad girls like to get tough. Don't you think you could roll with us? Love to hate. Can't get enough. Welcome to the Black Bad Girls Club. Bad girls. Clearly had no supervision as a kid because I was watching that shit live each season. Had no one controlling my remote. I loved Bad Girls Club. Love, love, love Bad Girls Club. So, yeah, um, I need the girlies to get into reality shows so I can start fully talking about reality shows and giving my take because I'm fully... If you're looking, whoever... If you have Peacock, those shows are on Peacock now, which is, like, clutch as fuck. And I'm waiting for the news, the newest season of Potomac to hit streaming services because I can't watch it because... When I'm really bored, I like to go back and just rewatch other seasons reunions because I don't want to like go through and watch the whole season for the mess. I know the mess. I know the arc. I know the storyline. I just want to go to the reunion where they're, you know, shooting the shit. So yeah, I like that has to be like it has to be a, a weekly way that I can put that in. I'm also trying to come up with a, a segment or like an episode structure because my favorite podcaster, which cause I don't want to steal this, but I, I do love like. The, the I don't want to show the title or anything, but I kind of love the structure of it. But, like, it's basically, like, what annoyed me in a week. Um, but it's not going to be what annoyed me, like, but, like, things I want to talk about. Um, but this was kind of more of, like, a deep dive episode. Clear, um, I'm, I promise I'll actually put my resources in the bio, but this is more of a deep dive episode because I actually, like, did some research and learned some new shit that I was like, wow. I, I mean, I knew Reagan sucked, but... Here's another example of why he's, he's truly ain't shit. Um, yeah, that's about it. Team B, a beehive. Team, do you think Rihanna's ever going to drop music? I don't think so ever again. Um, but yeah. Thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next episode. Preferably next week. I do think that I have the power to be consistent. I truly believe in myself. This time around, I did fall off the wagon, but you know why I fell off the wagon. So, yeah, I will see you on the next episode. Okay, I'm here in post-edit. Sorry, the audio is a little whack. Bear with me. I'm on the fucking wires. But I'm here to correct myself to say that um, I was wrong about how much billionaires pay in taxes. But it's really not much better. Like, okay, Elon Musk has a total reported income of $1.52 billion, and he's only paid $455 million in taxes. Jeff Bezos has had a reported income of $4.22 billion, and only has paid uh, $973 million in taxes. While his wealth growth, wealth growth rate has been 99 point, or $99 billion, and that of $13.9 billion for Elon so, anyways, eat the rich, tax the rich, guillotine these hoes, period. Ta-ta.